It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti back with you guys here. Hope you guys had yourselves a good weekend. We are counting down the days. Just 10 left until the start of the 2020 NFL Draft. And I thought we'd start by or at least we start this week by starting to go through the positions here, kind of previewing each of the positions a little bit and maybe take a little bit of a Panther spin on it uh, as we kind of count down these final days here. So we'll start at the top with the quarterback position. So we'll go through the quarterbacks, uh, maybe go back and touch on what we talked about when I was with Mark Schofield at the Combine, bring, up a, bring back that conversation to kind of uh, give us an idea of where things were back in February when we were looking at the quarterback position and then kind of uh, where things are now. So it kind of ties everything together. So we'll have that. And then a little treat at the end of the show, the uh, Locked On NFL mock draft special uh, actually started on Friday. And we actually have a special segment for all the shows uh, to share with you guys at the end of the show. And in fact, if you tune into today's episode, uh, my pick actually leads off the show uh, since I stayed at number seven, so you can tune in and see uh, who I went with, uh, me talking about the pick a little bit, and then uh, some of the other guys like Brian and Matt and all them kind of discussing the pick itself, giving their thoughts. So it was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys tune in for that. So it should be should be a good time. So let's jump into the quarterbacks here. Um, obviously, we'll start at the top. We know uh, in some order. I think it's fair to say the top three are Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert. And um, obviously we can write or we could cross Joe Burrow off the list because I don't think Cincinnati is budging off that number one pick. They are going to stick a number one. They are going to take Joe Burrow. And for good reason, he is definitely the best quarterback in this class. I mean, the way he uh, just turn things around both for himself and for that LSU offense. Obviously, uh, having Joe Brady with him as his uh, as his passing game coordinator definitely helped a lot. Um, but, you know, everything just tied together and it turned into arguably the greatest offensive season we've ever seen in the history of college football. So uh, Joe Burrow absolutely deserves to go number one, and he's the type of quarterback that – uh, the Cincinnati Bengals definitely need. Now, when we get to the next two, um, obviously there's still that slight little bit of a chance that uh, one of them could end up with the Carolina Panthers. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, we can't totally rule out the possibility of uh, Tua. Because, I mean, never say never, right? That's that's the beauty of the draft. But Tua Tungabailoa and Justin Herbert. Obviously, the big issue now with Tua is we're still concerned about the medicals a little bit, but... He did just have his pro day, and by the looks of it and by the way everybody was talking, uh, Tua's pro day went very well, and it really helped confirm that he's that he's back. Some will argue he's even better. He, he may even look better than what he was in Alabama. Um, I still don't think he's going to make it out of the, the top five picks. I still believe at this point that 
uh, somebody might trade up, trade up for him, and I have a fun, my gut says there's a good chance the Chargers do it. If not, they'll either they might sit back and take Jordan Love, because like I said, I th- I think Miami's content with Justin Herbert falling to them at number five. So I could see a scenario where Tua gets uh gets moved up for possibly at number three with the lines because you know for the discussion that. Washington is going to take him. I still think it's going to be Chase Young. Um, and Caroline, I think, would have to trade up for Tua. And I just don't don't think they should. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. They don't really have... I mean, they, they have a little bit of capital. They have eight picks. But the fact of the matter is they they need these picks, obviously. They need to just get so, as, as much talent as they possibly can, right? So they they can't afford, especially with, you know, all the moves they've, they've made a quarterback, there's really no need for them to trade up. So quarterback high at this point, that's why, you know, we, we can discuss the top three picks, but, or the, or the top three quarterbacks rather, but the fact of the matter is, I'd, I'd say it's, you know, less than a, a 10% chance, if that, that, uh, that, one of those three guys is going to end up with the Carolina Panthers. Now, as we start to drop back a little bit on the quarterback ranks, and you start getting into guys like, you know, Jalen Hurts, uh, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, guys like that, you know, and uh, a couple of these guys I think are are going to be gone on day two. On day two, um, Jalen Hurts is certainly a guy that we've discussed in the past as a possible option, but. Again, I think with the with the signing of Teddy Bridgewater for three years, um, the acquisition of PJ Walker, and, and let's remember, you know, they gave him a good amount of money in relation to the type of free agent that he is and where he came from in the XFL. They gave him a good a bit good bit amount of money for being a street free agent. So even those guys, I still I still think the the probability is low. That uh, that those guys are gonna make it. Now, if I had to take my choice out of like those guys, I would definitely take Jalen Hurts because obviously I think he's the most athletic of those three. Um, you you saw his passing game improve dramatically as his years went on through his time at Alabama, and then he took that. You you could even argue to another level when he transferred to Oklahoma. And I think in an offense like Carolina's that, you know, that spread offense that just gives you so many weapons, that would definitely be helpful for Jalen Hurts. And, you know, we we saw him do all he could during the, uh, the Senior Bowl week and at the game. And, you know, he, he tried his damnedest. Let, let's be honest. He was, he was fighting hard. You could tell he was really, really going out there to perform, especially since he was obviously the, the, the hometown favorite. But his offensive line just didn't do him any favors. I mean, his linemen, especially his tackles, were just getting absolutely beaten. I mean, I'm, I just remember sitting there in the media box and watching uh, Terrence Steele just get obliterated by the defensive linemen and then just watching Jalen Hurts get killed. And then we're all up there in the media box. We're just shaking our heads. We we just felt so bad for the kid because he was getting pummeled. But the kid is just a, a down-to-earth kid, you know, and um, even 
just taken a small moment after one of the practices to take a picture with all the young kids that looked up to him uh, is heartwarming, you know. So I'm I'm definitely rooting for Jalen Hurts wherever he goes. I think he's, you know, obviously he's not perfect by any means, but I think there's a lot of untapped potential with him. And that's why, you know, if he lands with a team like New Orleans, I think that would be really intriguing to watch what uh, a guy like Sean Payton can do for Jalen Hurts and what the tutelage of Drew Brees can do for Jalen Hurts. So I'm really interested in Jalen Hurts' landing spot. Jake Fromm, uh, Jacob Eason, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little weary on those guys. I think if you're considering them, you're, I would almost rather just wait a little bit longer and take some of the the other guys in the later rounds because I tell you what, I went back and I watched a little bit of James Morgan, the kid out of Florida International, and I really liked what I saw. Kid has a really good arm. You know, he he takes command of the offense well. He he doesn't really phase that much. You know, there's obviously some development that needs to happen with him, but you know what, the kid's got the size, he's got the arm, he's got the tools that you can work with. He's a guy that I think NFL teams are, are really going to like, and he, he's another guy that I'm really intrigued where he's going to end up. And, and you know what, if the Panthers want to take a developmental guy, could do a whole lot worse than James Morgan. So I'm really interested if you know the Panthers do decide to go with a, a day three guy. I'll tell you what, there's there's... There's two guys that come to mind, James Morgan and Anthony Gordon, because I I went back and watched Gordon a little bit, you know, obviously he's, as we've said before, he's got to kind of show that he's more than just a product of a Mike Leach offense, but I watched him work his butt off all week in Mobile, Alabama, and he's ready for the challenge and he's been working hard. And then I talked to him about the combine. He's working extremely hard to just, just get where, where he needs to be to show that he's, he can be an NFL quarterback, that he's not just an air raid guy. So like with James Morgan, like with Jalen hurts, I, I think the landing spot is extremely important for a guy like Anthony Gordon, and I'm really intrigued. And again, you know, in on day three, you know, fifth round, sixth round, whatever the case may be, if the Panthers want to take a, a developmental guy, if they want someone else as that third quarterback, other than Will Greer, I think you could do a lot worse than than those two guys with uh with Gordon and uh, and James Morgan. So I'm I'm really interested in a bunch of these quarterbacks and and where they fall, and if there is going to be any interest from the Carolina Panthers in bringing in a, a developmental quarterback. You know, th- this draft will definitely be telling as to what their future plans are and how much they really value uh, the guys that they have now, particularly P.J. Walker and Will Greer. So it, it's going to be a fun process, I think, at the at the quarterback position. And then obviously for the rest of the the rest of the quarterbacks and the rest of the teams, you know, it's always, you know, because that's the highlight spot. We're always interested in where all these quarterbacks go and what their what their potential career 
trajectory is. So I'm intrigued by some of these younger guys, and it's going to be fun to watch and see where they land. So like I said, to kind of uh, tie things up, I want to go back in time a little bit, and uh, we'll replay the, uh, the my conversation with Mark Schofield from the Combine so you get a sense of... Uh, you know, my thoughts now and then what Mark and I talked about to kind of, you know, bring bring everything together. And, you know, obviously a bunch of the stuff we talked about that back then is still relevant. So I thought now would be a good time to bring that back up. So uh, this is my conversation with Mark Schofield. And then after that, it is the special uh, mock draft special segment from the whole Locked On NFL mock draft special going on all this week. So stay tuned for that. And um, as always, thanks thanks so much for tuning in, and um, we'll see you next time right here on the LOP podcast. So take care, my friends. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the rest of the show. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, we are here in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine, and I am honored to be here with one of my best friends, really, on Twitter, and, and I truly mean that because he's, he's meant so much to me on and off uh, on and off the football field. Mark Schofield is with me. We're going to talk a little bit about quarterbacks and Cam Newton. Mark, pleasure to have you here. Just so happy to finally get here on the pod. No, Bill, it's great to be here. Great to be with you. Always great to see you. We got a chance to spend a lot of time together. Uh, down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and it's great to see you out here in Indy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like like I said, Mark's been Mark's been like a big brother to me. He's he's helped me through so much. I, I can never say too many nice things about him. I'm just so grateful for his support and everything like that. But uh, like, he's obviously the quarterback guru here as well, so that's why I wanted to get on get him on here because, of course, Carolina has a little bit of a quarterback conundrum going on. Uh, the future of Cam Newton is certainly up in the air we had Matt Rule's press conference yesterday and certainly he took in a lot of questions about Cam Newton but he seemed really excited about the possibility of having Cam Newton with him and really wants to work with Cam Newton so from your perspective Mark what do you think is going to happen I mean we'll just throw it out right now what's going to happen with Cam Newton with the Panthers you know probably before the combine you know, thoughts could have been made, statements could have been made that perhaps they were moving in the direction where they might move away from Cam Newton, they might want to move on from him. But I think as you pointed out, Bill, during his press conference yesterday, and basically, you know, throughout this process in the past couple of days here, Matt Rule said all the right things about Cam Newton. does seem like you said to want to work with him. And I think that makes a lot of sense from where the Carolina Panthers are right now. I think if you look at where that offense can be with Cam Newton, who I still believe to be a great quarterback in this league, still has a lot of tremendous ability to rinse the table. Um, you know, there are certainly some flaws to his game, but all quarterbacks have flaws. Um, I think as long as Cam Newton can stay healthy, you know, he could be a, a huge asset to this offense and can certainly help this offense move in the direction where it needs to go for the Carolina Panthers to be competitive. Now, the question mark sort of becomes, with that being said, do they still make a move at the quarterback position anyway? 
You know, because if Cam Newton's healthy, great. But if he's not healthy, what do you have behind him right now? Mm-hmm. With Kyle Allen, who showed flashes at times, um, but but certainly also has some drawbacks to his game. And then you have an unproven prospect in, in Will Greer, who had some good moments when he was in West Virginia, had some bad moments as well. Um, had did some things, in, you know, in preseason that were good and both bad for the Panthers. Um, I know Matt Rule also spoke highly of him, thought the world of him, obviously coached against him when he was a Baylor. But they do have some question marks at the quarterback position, not beyond Cam Newton. And so it's not out of the realm of possibility that they roll with Cam Newton, they do make that decision, but they also address quarterbacks sometime later in the draft. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it, it definitely feels like both statements can be true in terms of they could bring back Cam Newton for 2020 and like try to be a little competitive, but also be in a rebuilding process. You know, because like like you said, they can definitely go after. There's obviously all these options of quarterback. There's been some speculation, not necessarily from the draft media, but just uh, some thoughts from other people that maybe they can make the jump up to say number three in a trade with the Lions to go after someone like like Tua, who you know we heard from yesterday at the combine as well, and uh, he still hasn't been clear, but we know come March 9th he's going to be cleared and he's going to be ready to go at his pro day. So if we look at some of these quarterback options and. You know, we could touch on Joe Burrow, I guess, a little bit, but I mean, let, let's be realistic. He's not, uh, he obviously shot down those rumors about not wanting to play in Cincinnati. So I think we're pretty well set that he's going to Cincinnati. But when it comes to Tua and Herbert, because those would be the, the two likely options, how would those guys fit in this Carolina offense? And what do you think would have to happen if they wanted to, to move up? Like, what do you think it's going to ha- have to take to? to move up to get one of these guys. I mean, you're going to have to put together a good package if you're going to go up and get two. I mean, you look at the fact that this draft, I think, it begins at two, mm-hmm. you know, with what Washington does, because Washington has a lot of cards that they can play. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the fact that obviously people sort of expect them to stay put and draft Chase Young, but they could move out. You know, if you're a team like, say, the Miami Dolphins, you might want to make sure that you can get your hands on two. You know, you might want to move up to two. So it would probably cost a lot. You know, Washington has a lot of cards they can play, and if they're going to give up the right to draft Chase Young, who could be a, you know, game-changing type player at the edge defender position, which is a valuable position in today's NFL, I think it's going to cost a lot. And so the cost might be prohibitive. It might be a situation where, if, like you said, Bill, they're trying to remain competitive and yet rebuild at the same time. That's a steep price to pay. I mean, you're talking about giving up, you know, a first and maybe future first as well, as well as prevent perhaps some more picks in addition to that. So that's a big price to play to go, go get to him. I think Herbert might be, if he's there for them, you know, with that pick at seven, he might be the better play for them. Um, because if they do decide to address quarterback early, he could re- very reasonably be on the board for them at seven. I think when you look at what we expect this Panthers offense to look like, more of a modern spread type system, obviously that's the background that Justin Herbert's coming from. He showed both on tape and at the Senior Bowl um, when he was working with the Cincinnati Bengals the ability to run a sort of a you know spread full field type offense to attack defenses over the middle along the boundaries as well. Certainly has a live arm. I think he checks that box. He also checks that athleticism box. And in today's National Football League, we have so many athletic edge defender types, defensive tackles that can pressure the pocket. You have to be able to move. You have to be able to reset your feet, reset your throwing position, and then make accurate throws sometimes on the move. And Justin Herbert can do that. And so I think given the cost that it might take to go up and get Tua, while Tua might be a better prospect, provided the hip checks out, Justin Herbert might be the safer, 
more cost-effective way for the Panthers to address quarterback early should they decide to do that. And then, of course, you know, going back to the, the cost thing, obviously the big factor, too, is not just moving up for those picks or moving up to two or three, just that gap. You're talking two teams right in front of them that are also in the quarterback market. I mean, they know they have to, if they want to get one of these guys, they've got to jump Miami, they've got to jump the Chargers. And, you know, you talked about Justin Herbert. There's still that obstacle, too, that the Chargers can be, can be in play in six. I mean, they're talking of Tyrod Taylor, but, right. you know, there's uh, there, there's never a guarantee there either. Right, and we, we've seen how things have played out with Tyrod Taylor over the past couple of seasons. Well, he's been in the league. Look, he was going to be the bridge quarterback in Buffalo, and that didn't work out. And he was going to be the bridge quarterback in Cleveland, and that didn't work out. We saw quickly... Baker Mayfield got onto the field. You might be in another similar situation where, yes, the Chargers are talking up Tyrod Taylor, but I wouldn't put a pass in the draft Justin Herbert six, and so you might have to move up, you know, to get ahead of them to get the five. So there are a lot of different ways this can play out, and the more we talk about it, the more it does sort of seem like keeping Cam Newton, resigning him, finding a way to get that sort of done. And then addressing quarterbacks, say maybe a little bit later in the draft, mm-hmm. might be the way to go. That's that's what I'm. That's what I've been thinking too. I, I wouldn't even put it past them to even trade down. I think that has to be a potential as well because they only have seven picks right now. You know, and like we said, they want to be competitive, but they want to start building for the future as well. So I think getting those picks. So, and in that sense too, we could start talking about some of these other quarterbacks, like you know, a Jordan Love or a Jalen Hurts or even like a Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason or any of these guys more of a likely option than these top guys. You know, I I think probably, you know, given the fact that there's so many different factors at play, and of course, you know, we're recording this before free agency really gets going, and a lot of this could change because, you know, a team like, say, the Chargers, we might consider them in the mix for quarterback right now, but who knows, maybe a Jameis Winston goes there, or, you know, maybe a Marcus Mariota goes there, or a situation like that plays out where now suddenly they're not in the mix for a quarterback at six. That changes the sort of calculus here. So a lot could change in the next couple of weeks, and that's certainly the talk in and around Indy that, you know, the free agent landscape is going to change the draft. Because sitting here right now, before free agency gets going, you know, there's a thought in my mind that we might see five quarterbacks in the first four team. Like, let's say we see, you know, Cincinnati, Burrow at one, and then you see two somewhere in the top five. Then you might see a Herbert at six or seven. And then I look at that stretch, 12, 13, 14, where you've got the Raiders, you've got the Colts, and you've got the Bucks. All three teams could be in that quarterback mix as well. And then you're talking about guys like Jordan Love and Jacob Eason probably getting into the mix. And so this could all change, but it does seem like there could be a lot of quarterbacks coming off the board. Specifically for Carolina, I think Jacob Eason would be a good fit. You know, he's sort of a, a similar player in that Justin Herbert type mold. Tall, big arm, athletic, can certainly move around, make throws on the move. If you're looking for somebody that can also give you that under center, play action, back to the defense type of stuff, Jacob Eason's done that as well. And that's a really important part, at least in my thinking on quarterbacks, is when you have somebody that can do that, when you have somebody that can turn their eyes away from the defense, run that play action fake, and then flip those eyes back around and still diagnose what the defense has done in that split second or so when he hasn't had his eyes on them, that's a critical part to the decision-making process and the process and speed for a quarterback. And so I'm impressed by Jacob Eason. Jake Fromm's interesting. I think an NFL team is going to fall in love with him. I don't know if it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. I keep coming back to the idea of the Chicago Bears perhaps as the best landing spot for Jake Fromm um, because I think he could run Matt Nagy's system. I think he might even be an early upgrade on Mitchell Trubisky, you know, given what Trubisky has done over the past couple of seasons. I think Fromm's a good decision maker. I love everything he does say from the neck up. Sometimes the arm strength has a little bit leaves, you know, leaves you a little bit underwhelmed. 
Um, but I think he's a smart, heady quarterback. He was trusted to do a lot at the line of scrimmage, which is huge for a quarterback's development. So, I mean, he'd be more of like a round three type guy. But if Jacob Eason's in the mix, I think that would make some sense for Carolina. And it's funny, too, with Chicago. I think this is two two years in a row in Indy that the Bears have had to come out and say, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky's our guy. That's not necessarily a good sign. It's not you have necessarily to keep a good saying sign. that. And, you know, since I do do a bit cover in the Chicago Bears, it's yeah. been interesting to sort of watch the evolution of the thinking about Mitchell Trubisky because going into this past season, you know, there were many that thought, look, he's going to have a nice little bump. You know, he's going to be his second year in Matt Nagy's system. It's year three for a quarterback, which Bill Walsh famously said, look, year three is when it all comes together for him, and if it doesn't, then you've got a problem. But what did we see from Mitchell Trubisky there? Not much, nothing good. And so there's certainly a, a sense, you know, early in the year when I started writing negative things about Mitchell Trubisky, I was getting crushed on the timeline and in the DMs by Bears fans. What are you writing? This is awful. This is garbage. That all went away. And right now, who are the Bears fans talking about? talking about Anthony Gordon and Jake Fromm. Yeah. You know, they're getting excited about potentially moving away from Mitchell Trubisky. And so, the, you know, the, the thinking on Mitchell Trubisky has changed, um, but with reason. And so, you know, the Bears are probably going to be, you know, in that sort of day two mix for a quarterback, I think. Um, you know, they're saying the right things. You know, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy right now about Mitchell Trubisky. But they said those same things about Sean Glennon. And then Mitchell Trubisky took over. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see somebody else under center for the Bears at some point next season. Yeah, it's funny how a four-game regression really changes the mindset of, it really of a does. lot of fans. It really um, does. We are, we are creatures of the here and the now. Yep. And you know, there's a lot so of long-term thinking. Lately? It's, that's exactly right, Bill. So what have you done for me lately? And... Um, you know, you touched on the free agency landscape. I don't think the Panthers are really going to be too much players in terms of the quarterbacks because, I mean, if, if you really think about free agency, Cam Newton would really be your best option if we're talking quote-unquote free agents. Not that, not that he's a free agent, but it's, it's, I don't think any of these options, because they're not going to go out and get Phillip Rivers because he's going to cost too much. They're not going to go out and get James Winston. He's going to cost too much. You know, you might, you might as well stick with with. Uh, with with Cam Newton, but if we go to, because you just mentioned a couple of those guys too, and I'm glad you did, because I want to f- kind of finish up with that. Those later round guys, like an Anthony Gordon, like a Cole McDonald, you know, we got a chance to talk to go talk to those guys, especially a guy like Anthony Gordon. I'm, I'm really intrigued with Anthony Gordon because he's really trying to show that he's not just a system quarterback. Right. We, we know the whole Mike Leach thing, and we know how some of these quarterbacks have struggled to kind of get out of that system. And I thought he did a pre- pretty decent job of that at, at the Senior Bowl. I, I thought he looked good. I mean, we saw him at the game. I, I personally thought he was going to get MVP with how you know, he threw a couple touchdown passes. His team actually won the game. Of course, they gave it to Justin Herbert. But I'm intrigued with, um, I think, with the right development, Anthony Gordon can be something. Do you feel that way too? You know, not just from a Panthers standpoint, but just from a general standpoint with Anthony Gordon. Is he someone that, with the right development, can become something in this league? I certainly think so, Bill. And what's been interesting watching sort of the the reframing of everybody's thinking about the air raid offense over the past couple of seasons has been fascinating to see, just from a conceptual standpoint. You know, I think Gardner Minshew did a great job last year down in Mobile, then through his draft process, to highlight the fact that you know, in the air raid offense. Quarterbacks are doing a lot more from a mental standpoint than people are being given are giving them credit for. 
you know, you could put Patrick Mahomes into that mix as well. Because if you think back to Mahomes and his draft process, a lot of people are saying, oh, he's just an air raid quarterback. Like, he's going to take some time to learn things. But if you really sat down and watched what he was asked to do in Cliff Clingsbury's offense, there were a lot of conversions and options and all sorts of things he had to do from a mental perspective. And you heard it yesterday from Bruce Arians, who said, look, in our meetings, in our evaluation process of Mahomes, he was the best quarterback in terms of knowing what the hell he was doing that I've seen since Andrew Luck. You know, he's a very smart guy from an air raid system. Minshew last year, I asked him about you know Mike Leach's office and he said, look, you know, we are running full field, five progression reads on every single play. And you don't see these guys in these quote unquote, in these literally used air quotes, college pro style offenses doing that. I talked to Gordon yesterday, asked him his favorite play to run. It was Y cross. Why? Because it's a full field read, left to right, you're reading that go route to the crosser, to the curl, to the backside dig. Four reads, on a given play, full field, left to right, right to left. Again, you're not seeing guys like Justin Herbert or sometimes even Tua Tungvaluwa do that as well or at least as broad a base in terms of the reads on a play as Anthony Gordon is doing. And so I think people are starting to reframe how they think about the air raid, and that's going to benefit guys like Gordon. I think he has some things that he needs to clean up. You know, if you watch him on film, he's statuesque, and that's usually a death knell for quarterbacks, um, but it's not a lack of mobility or athleticism. He just keeps his feet just rock set underneath them, and he doesn't move them as he's making these reads, as he's going from that vertical route to the crossing route to the curl to the dig. His feet are stationary below him, so he needs to clean that up, but he's got that baseball background. And we're seeing more and more of these quarterbacks that had that baseball background. It gives them that ability to make those off-platform throws, to make throws outside of the pocket, to make throws off structure. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, all had that baseball background. We talked to Cliff Kinsbury yesterday. He's asked about, you know, does playing baseball matter? And he's like, yeah, it does. You look at Murray, you look at Mahomes. That baseball background gives him that ability to make those throws. Talk to Anthony Gordon. He was a middle infielder growing up. He's turning double plays. When you're just getting the ball out as quick as you can from any thrown angle, that helps you when you make that transition to the National Football League. And if you think about his senior bowl and the game he played, the touchdown he threw, drops the arm angle, moves the arm slots, make, able to make that off-platform, off-structure throw. So if I'm betting on sort of a, a later-round quarterback, you know, Anthony Gordon's at the top of that list. Yeah, I agree. And I think... I feel like Cole, uh, Cole McDonald is kind of in that similar sense, too, because I even kind of asked him about that, too, about kind of the stigma that Hawaii quarterbacks seem to have. And then I posted that on Twitter, and someone actually replied to me, and I thought he brought up a good point. If uh, if some of these other or these older Hawaii quarterbacks, like um, Cole Brennan. Cole Brennan, yeah. yeah the names are drawn a blank there. But if those past Hawaii quarterbacks – where in like today's NFL, they might have been in a better situation because, yeah. like you said, the air, the air raid and even the style of offense that Hawaii runs. Because even McDonald told me they're running f you know, full field progression right. type too. You know, in talking to McDonald, you know, I asked him, you know, what was his favorite play to run, and he called, he said he his favorite play was what they call streak read, mm -hmm. which is basically four verticals. But in Hawaii's run and shoot offense, each route converts based on the coverage they're seeing, and so it's a great design. He he kept calling their offense a, a counter-based offense because they have a counter or a response to anything the defense shows them. And so on that play, you know, if it's cover one, everybody might be running the go, but if it's cover four, everybody might be running comebacks, or if it's a combination coverage, you might get a go and a comeback and a go and a comeback on both sides. And so everything converts, and it converts based on the coverage. And so that, again, taxes the quarterback from a mental perspective. And so he's forced to go into a play and then recalibrate his thinking on what he has to do based on what the defense has shown him. Again, 
something that not all these quarterbacks are asked to do, but he's asked to do it, and it comes from a run-and-shoot offense, and people think, oh, he's probably not going to be good from a mental standpoint, but he's actually going to be ahead of some quarterbacks because of that, because of what's put on his plate in terms of reading defenses. You know, most quarterbacks now, before the play begins, they look at the sideline and the quarterback coaches tell them what to do. He has to do that stuff on the fly based on what he's reading from the defense. That elevates your your mental standpoint as a quarterback, and that's huge at the position. Listen, I, I could sit here and talk to you about quarterbacks all day, but uh, I think that's kind of a good place to stop. I think we kind of did like a nice broad sense. But um, uh, like, like I said, really appreciate you taking time to, to sit here with me. I'm so glad we got to do this. You know, it's, it's fun just to talk, you know, through the computer, but to get the chance to, have to sit here face-to-face with you has, has been outstanding. So, I mean, go ahead and let the listener – I mean, you know, if the listeners don't, don't, don't know where to find you by now, then I don't know what they're doing because – but uh, if they happen – to maybe be new to you or they're just coming into football where can they find you yeah bill thanks for having me it was great to sit down and, and catch up um in, in person here um best way to find me is on twitter at mark schoolfield now uh, check out the workplace like inside the pylon uh pro football weekly matt waldman's rookie scouting portfolio a bunch of different sb nation websites big blue view bleeding green nation and pat's pulpit a couple different podcasts as well but the best way is on twitter at mark schoolfield awesome thank you so much mark thanks buddy If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm addressing number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university. We have 95 players here. So accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever. Become your mom's favorite player? This is Locked On NFL. And this is the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. Welcome to the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover, our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first-round selections, and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino and the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team-specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick throughout round one 
On the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event. I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular. It was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better. And the way things are right now in the world and wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well. And I hope this is something fun for you to listen to all week long. Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams? Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the the electronics or or the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double checking, doing all that kind of stuff. We mentioned before, you know, maybe you could run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a a whole walkthrough basically of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn really a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling – agents of your favorite people to make sure that prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't (laughs) flaring up. But for the most part, things should be done a couple days before the draft. Let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network. We have a pair of NFL draft shows, draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes podcast, and let me just tell you, as a couple of Draft Dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team, and uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close, and this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first-round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, the big mystery here is, from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is, when does the offensive tackle run start, and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles. There's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks. Maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there remains to be seen. And the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here. I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? 
And uh, who are those late first round guys that uh, teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings? Who do they get if they are uh, left kind of picking the later half of those top tier pro- prospects? So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league. And you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic. Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20. They might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey, everybody, Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host in the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see definitely when not. only one person controls all 32 teams. There's going to be a lot more aggressive moves, so I expect to see big trade-ups. I expect to see surprising picks, yep. and that's, that's the reality with these. When you're controlling just that one team, you go and get your guy. That's what we see in the league. I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well. I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because – it's just the possibilities are endless. We saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast. But, I mean, what other positions are, are big ones? Quarterback, wide receiver, probably, right? Well, I think, yeah, I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Who's wide receiver four? Who's wide receiver five? And just how many can we fit in this first round? Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started. Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what the Bengals should do here? They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect that should go first overall. If their phone is ringing, should they even be answering it, or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft? I mean, you answer it, and if someone offers you a Godfather-like offer, you consider it, and you still might not even say yes. I mean, I think Burrow is the super prospect. He would go first in almost every draft, you know, nine out of ten years. That's a gift, and the Bengals need it. He's an Ohio guy. They need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of too good to be true. All right. With that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked on Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati. Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. The first overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals easily and without second thought, select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask. And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe 
be late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that, and the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency, and I think they're looking at this squarely of saying our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020. That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team? Well, the quarterback is the most important position. And I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. And I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top. And you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking other than that. And that's okay because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm. Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. In leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite, just six interceptions on the 2019 season. He's the son of a coach and a film room junkie. There's a story about LSU beating Alabama, getting back to Tus- from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge, and when Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cutups of the film, Burrow had already beaten him there. Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player. And his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments. Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day. 
All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated, and uh, I I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level. It's played from the neck up, and I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines. Yeah, absolutely, and he he is a good athlete. He has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game, processing, accuracy. He does not have a power arm, and that worries me a little bit considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and – you know, in the NFC North and late in the year, we'll see how he deals with that. But that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick. He's a tremendous prospect. More Locked On NFL Draft special coming up. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 